0: This is Alumni Allowed, a podcast by Graduate Center students for Graduate Center students. In each episode, we talk with a GC graduate about their career path, the ins and outs of their current position, and the career advice they have for students. This series is sponsored by the Graduate Center's Office of Career Planning and Professional Development.
1: Welcome to another edition of Alumni Allowed. We are here with Aaron Eisenberg, who is a uh, project manager at the Rosa Luxemburg Foundation. Thank you so much for joining us, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me, Jack. So I just want to get started by asking you about your, um, your research interests. Since you've pursued a career in researching potential solutions to climate change, what questions drive your research?
0: Sure. Um, and that's a great question. Um, so I work at the Rosa first off, I'll just explain what the Rosa Luxemburg Foundation is because some of your listeners may not know it. Um the Rosa Luxemburg Stiftung New York office is um in a New York chapter of an internationally operating progressive nonprofit organization. We are located in like something like 27 countries and we are independent of but um, have the same political kind of ideology as the of the left party in Germany. And so we, um, in Germany, the way it works is each party as long as it's over 5% in consecutive elections has a foundation to promote their civic education ideals and this came out after in the post war period. Um, and so this, the Rosa Luxemburg Stiftung is promoting kind of left ideals progressive democratic socialist ideas around the world. Um, to support Germany and to support the left party in Germany. So Germany never goes in the same way it did in the 1930s and 40s, where it's a pariah to the world. It would have connections to all the world. And there are Heinrich Boll Foundation, the Conrad Adenauer Foundation, and Rosa Luxemburg Stiftung is just one in this um batch of the different foundations. Um, my research interests and so what I do at the Resolution Bridge Stiftung, and I apologize for the banging behind me, I have steam pipes in New York in the winter, um, but is I work and I'm a project manager covering climate, trade, and um, labor. And basically our work, we have special consultative status to the UN Economic and Social Affairs Council, ECOSOC. Um, And so cover the UN processes on climate Then also part of our work is to maintain ties between the North American left and the European and specifically German left. And so building ties between the Green New Deal actors in North America and Europe, building ties between movements and social movements in U.S. and Canada and Europe, and and we have a Mexico City office that works on Mexico. And so my research and what drives this kind of um, around climate is how do we build the mass movement to evade the worst of the climate crisis, to overcome the worst of the climate crisis and build the Green New Deal world that we need, a world that is 100% renewable and democratic world that rids ourselves of some of these ills of the current world. And so um, working with movements in all over the world, working with um, my colleagues all over the work world, that's kind of what guides the overall work. And my background at the grad center specifically helped guide that. Um, I did a master's in liberal studies at the grad center. I um, my master's I did a bunch of courses on climate or climate related issues, and specifically my thesis was on. Um, I was in a program that no longer exists anymore: migration in global cities. But um, my focus, I kind of shifted that to be migration, cities, and climate, and focused on. Um, the green transformation and what that looks like around the world and specifically focusing on southeast asia and the mekong river delta
1: so you're just hitting on how you you're working for an institution that is committed to an internationalist and democratic vision to uh, confronting many of the issues of today such as climate change which threatened uh you know Humanity as a whole, when did you first make the decision to pursue working at a nonprofit institution for civic education and what steps did you take along the path to end up at Rosa Luxemburg Foundation?
0: Sure, Um, so I did um, my undergraduate at University of Rochester in upstate New York. And in that time, I studied abroad twice. I um, first went to Italy, um, Venice, Italy and did a program on globalization um, and kind of the interchange of ideas with students from all over the world, and then I interned at the European Parliament and coming out of undergrad, I really knew I wanted to work in the international realm, um, potentially working for an NGO working in for a nonprofit and I sent out tons of applications and I ended up working at this place called cultural vistas processing visa applications at first and then working my way up in that organization, which was a cultural exchange nonprofit organization um, to work on their Southeast Asia programming and specifically program development. And I was a program development officer and senior program development officer at um, Cultural Vistas where I ran our Southeast Asia programming, which was really youth, youth programming, youth leadership programming, and environmental programming. And so that was like, my job for a while i was there for six and a half years and in that time um, i think about three and a half four years into it i realized like i wanted to do something more i needed to push myself a little bit Um, and that was when i applied and got into the grad center and started working or started going to the grad center part-time and i did the mouse program part-time over the next two and a half years um, while working full-time in that job i was traveling to and from southeast asia about Th- um, three to four times a year I my job was writing and um, writing grant proposals and then going and implementing these programs and projects these conferences and workshops and so in doing so I realized I wanted to do more I came to the Grad Center I um took some great classes met some great people some people that I'm still in touch with today including former professors who are now friends um and after that I my old job it had paid a year as long as I stayed on for another year and so I stayed on for another year, um, and I worked there for another year and then I realized like my old job I had a lot of leeway and there was a lot of funding under the Obama administration. um, Towards cultural exchange activities once Trump became President, there was um, still a lot of leeway because there were fewer people in offices, a lot of people had quit, but there was not really a. um, The same opportunities to push my values, which are kind of left progressive values in my programming and the instead of projects being around youth education or civic education or indigenous education. Funding was for economic opportunities or building and expanding markets which didn't really align with my personal beliefs. At that time I started looking for a new job and I applied to the Rosa Luxemburg Foundation, because I had read a bunch of their reports i'd read a lot of their publications previously. Um, And I was lucky enough I applied kind of blindly, and I was lucky enough to get an interview and lucky enough to get the job. And now I've been here for about three years, but my trajectory kind of, I always knew I wanted to work in kind of the NGO left sphere, work in kind of um, supporting social change, and um, my trajectory was one of kind of building upon first my work experience and my graduate experience at the Grad Center to then be able to parlay it into kind of um, my current position and what I'm doing now.
1: You say you've always wanted to work in the kind of the NGO left wing space and, and places that are pushing for social change. Were there any other career options that you considered?
0: Yeah, I mean, when I I mean, for the first couple of years out of and when I was working in my old job, I remember I. I was traveling to and from Southeast Asia a lot for work and traveling specifically, working with embassies and 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 meeting people at embassies, meeting people working in the cultural sections of these embassies. And I had remembered, I had thought I would maybe take the foreign service exam, I'd maybe work for in this space, but I was kind of jaded towards that life and the idea of traveling and moving every two years and um, working for the government in that kind of capacity was not as exciting. And then there was kind of the thought of pursuing further academia. Um, And the MALS program was actually really nice in that way to um, see if that was something I wanted to do. After my MALS program, I did adjunct at Brooklyn College actually for a year and it was a great experience, but it also showed me that it was not the kind of life I wanted to seek out. And so um, I'm lucky enough to work in a space that is both academic and non-academic, movement and non-movement, it kind of bridges a lot of these divides and promoting these civic ideals and civic education ideals where I get to work with a lot of academics. I get to engage with scholarly material, but also ones that are less abstract and more focused on supporting social movements is really kind of the best of both worlds for me.
1: You, you've hit on this already with discussing the friendships that you uh, developed with some professors and your master's thesis your focus on uh, climate migration. But what role did the Grad Center have in your intellectual development? And how have your experiences at the Graduate Center transformed you into the worker that you are today?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, and I kind of remember this vividly, my first semester, and um, it's actually apropos right now because there was a lot of remembrance of him and over the last few months. But um, I took three or four classes of my time at the Grad Center with Stanley Aronowitz. And Stanley was really formative in my intellectual development. And my classes with Stanley were um, very small. Like I think the largest one we ever had was 10 to 15 people. And the smallest was four of us. And um, this was near Stanley's end of his career. and. Um, friend and comrade Andrew Antastasi published a really beautiful piece about a course I was in recently I believe on the Verso blog remembering Stanley but these courses were like really stimulating and Stanley was at the end of his kind of career and had a lot of the ideas he'd had were kind of like fully formed and, and pushing on a lot of preconceived notions and preconceived ideas and and Stanley was always open to learning more too and so like there was a course the first course was on climate crisis because he wanted to learn more but he had us reading Horkheimer and Adorno to start out the course and reading dialectics of the enlightenment and he thought that was what the climate crisis was from the start it was always starting out at that um and then you got into course we I had with him on the Grundrisse and Marx's Grundrisse and he's like this is all climate right here take a look at this and and talking about technological fixes and the segment on machines and and like I was, I really loved those courses because it wasn't just Stanley being provocative in these ways, but it was a lot of us like thinking about whether these abstract intellectual theory or perhaps not so abstract, but this like really intense theory can guide where we are today and build it into praxis. and then like the courses else that I took were like um, with now my good friend Mike Menser, who was my thesis advisor. He taught a course with Omar Davor that I took that was on um, like philosophy and ecology and or a philosophy of ecology course. And we read through the lens of Aristotle or through the lens of some of these great intellectual thinkers um, thinking about the climate crisis and thinking the way through. And all of that is kind of geared me towards how I view some of the stuff now and then how I engage with some of the Um, new literature on the climate crisis that comes out continually with that sometimes mixes academic theory, sometimes does not. Um, It also guides the work that we publish on the climate at Rosa Lux, and all of that was formative and stuff I never engaged with outside before I had gotten to the grad center. So it's definitely certainly helpful in that way.
1: Yeah, I think you mentioned what's so special about the the Graduate Center and that it's a place where, you know, people who are coming there to deal with practical issues on the ground and something that's a massive practical issue like climate change and how it ties into to labor um, and more broadly migration, how that relates to grand philosophical ideas, how you can approach that through the lens of someone like Marx or other philosophical thinkers. This is just one of the things that makes the Grad Center an exceptional institution. What were some of the challenges that you encountered as you transitioned to working at uh, the Rosa Luxemburg Foundation?
0: Yeah, um, I think, I mean, my previous organization had been a merger of two German, or of a German organization and a American organization. And so somehow for over my entire like professional career, which is now going on 10 years, I've only worked at seemingly German organizations or ones that have German history. And there's a lot of bureaucracy and paperwork when it comes to German organizations and institutions, and they all have their own way about it. Um, And it is definitely a cultural thing. But so even throughout this pandemic period, we've had to get original signed copies printed and mailed to us from anywhere in the world for anything. And so like, there are a lot of bureaucratic elements about it that are just a transition that each place does it their own way, those are new. Other things that have, and also not speaking a word or a lick of German myself, have always been um, something. But then I think a challenge of my job and also a really exciting part of my job is we are an operating foundation. What that means is that unlike a traditional foundation, which gives a grantee money and then they write a report at the end, or they do a project and then write a report, which was um, kind of how my old job was based around and how I kind of, my old job worked. This as an operating foundation means us project, the project managers are partners on each project and co-design and co-develop each project, and then go and implement and and, and make sure those projects are going off. And so I took over the climate portfolio. I could I could get by on that, I knew that well. I took over the labor portfolio. I knew that less well, but I knew that OK. And I took over the trade portfolio. And trade was not a subject that I knew well at all. I knew a very minimal amount about trade. And I was thrust into replacing someone who was quite good on trade and, and knew very, a lot on trade. And that was who I replaced at the foundation. And luckily, he was able to work with me for a little bit of overlap for a few months. And kind of guide me on that, but also I had to learn very quickly and I had to kind of get into the weeds of trade policy, learning trade policy, and now I think my lens towards that has influenced the way we've worked on trade. Um, A new website we put out this past November called greennewtrade.org kind of looks at trade through the lens of what climate activists need to know first, and it kind of was Something that came out of me having to learn it on my own, and what I wish all climate activists had learned from the start or knew from the start, are on these certain issues. It's becoming abreast of these issues and learning these issues as someone who works at this place was really like the key first challenge. And feeling up to the challenge of being able to work in a left internationalist space, being able to kind of work in the UN agencies and learn the jargon and, and lingo of the UN, and be able to help impact and influence social change
1: that way, so it seemed like some of the skills that you learned in kind of research and analysis prepare at a place like the grad Center prepared you to transition to having to take on a role like understanding trade in a way that you hadn't before, or the kind of the studies that you had done with labor had been helpful in, in, in breaking down you know what you have to do at the at the foundation. And so what would you recommend to current graduate students interested in pursuing a career at a progressive nonprofit institution?
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I think it's dependent. I think for um, the PhD students, I don't really want to get into advising you because I don't really know what to advise you. I I, I think um, it's hard. I think academia is really a, a pathway and then there are institutions like my own that are alternatives, but I don't have a PhD, so I don't really want to give advice to you all. But for the master students, what I would say is, like, seek out the courses that seem perhaps out of your wheelhouse or perhaps more difficult. That I, I remember many of the courses I took were not the MALS courses. They were the PhD courses, and you only had to take two or three MALS courses through your time. And I found... The other courses had much smaller class sizes, they had much more intense reading, but you, I was there to be a student and to do research and to learn, and that's what I took away from that place. And I think specifically on that, um, that all prepares you for like taking on new and exciting work that you may not be prepared for in certain ways, you're, you're thrown into the lion's den and you kind of have to sink or swim.
1: I just want to thank you so much for joining us, Aaron and uh, Alumni Aloud. It's been great having you and uh, look forward to paying attention to your, uh, your research and your work that you're doing at Rosa Luxemburg Foundation.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Jack, and, and always a pleasure. Take care.
1: Take care.